Hello, and if you're asking yourself what you're doing here, I don't really have the answer. But welcome, regardless. Not again. And again. And again. And again and again and again. It's It's X-rated. That guy's annoying. X-Men animated review show. Yeah, he is kind of annoying. Um, Well, we won't see much of him again, I don't think. Maybe he'll be in the new series. Maybe he'll be a prominent star. Who knows? Pretty ridiculous. Um, I am your host, Scalocalypse. You're too stupid to plan this on your own. <laughs> well, luckily, I have a co-host. Look, clown, I've had a long day. Or week. Or however long it's been. It does kind of feel the like... Gondre. I'm not really yeah. sure how much time it's been. thought you'd like that one. But it's been enough. Yep. And even though it's really a week, it probably feels like a day since we've seen each other last. Oh, God, I know. But yeah. with with the advent of instant messaging, it feels as though you're never too far away from me, Devin. That's true. Want to make some signs for me? I already did. Well, I mean, I said the introduction. They're probably not done yet. But... Ah, right on. Can't wait to, can't wait to see I'm the final get, product. I'm waiting to get the final price in those decals just to be sure I sent my boss off this thing, so... We'll see. Yeah, well, you know, why don't why Some don't fun little we... prizes for the X goons? Oh, fun little prizes for the X goons. The X goons are gonna love that. That's right. Well, let's catch up on old times. What are they up to? You think they're doing up there? <laughs> they're doing up there. <laughs> still can't gonna change the name of this actually. Actually, to what do you think they're doing up there? I like that. <laughs> it's good to reassess, re, you know, rechange. My uh, my my wrestling finisher, I called the blunderbuss for a long time. This because I got this old school kind of gimmick, and then I decided because I thought it was funny to change the name of it to the gears. So now when I hit my finisher, I'm giving them the gears. Giving it the gears. I'm giving them the gears. Uh-huh. Here we go. We have a new name for our segment. What do you think they're doing up there? What are you doing up there? So, uh, what what are we doing up there? You want to uh, make a fun announcement for the next episode? Oh, sure. So, our next episode, um, after this one. That's right. So, next one will be part four. Uh, we're going to have a special guest, uh, Marvel Comics artist, Adam Gorham, who is a big fan of uh, the series and a big fan of Cable particularly. So, we thought, why not bring him in and have him on the show to talk about, uh, you know, what is preemptively probably one of the most important cable storylines you'd say in this series um well he gets sir, a ton it's like this episode especially is the cable episode this one and the next one i think we're gonna see a lot of cable but uh yeah lawrence bain obviously just in the show so it's like a cable celebration um and then the episode after that we have a special interview with uh, the voice of mr sinister whose name escapes yeah. me at the moment i'm sure Devin remembers. christopher Britton. Christopher Britton. So, uh, Christopher Britton himself. Hopefully, he brings that voice modulator they used to give that that metallic tinge to his voice. But uh, oh yes, very fine actor. He he was in that recent um, oh the uh, 
comic remake on Netflix there, uh, Lock and Key. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, uh, I really didn't like that show, unfortunately. I'm a huge fan of the graphic novel, but I kind of tuned out just because it was so different. I, I couldn't enjoy it. <laughs> Open your mind to new things, Andre. I do often. It's just, you know. You I sound like it. me on my movie podcast. I tried. I watched like four episodes. <laughs> I just wasn't digging it. So, you know, what are you going to do? I watched the first season. It was fine. I didn't watch. Uh, I mean, did season. you read the comics though? It's so the comics no. are so much better. And I'm not, and I'm never one to really be upset when they change anything in the comics. I'm not. Like I was okay with the end of Zack Snyder's Watchmen. I was okay with a bunch of change, whatever Marvel changes. I'm usually okay with. Um, but for some reason, I uh, I don't know, man. It's just this was like the joy of how good that series was compared to like the the angsty teen drama that we got on Netflix. They just didn't. It, it was just too, too, too stark of a anything on TVs and angsty teen drama now, Andre. Didn't you no, know that? No, there's lots of good. They did television it to Star Trek too. There's, lots, there's yeah. lots of good television out there. Most of it's on streaming channels, but it's out there. I'm even so, wearing my engineering uniform. I thought about when doing uh, helping you with the signage for your business about making the font the Star Trek font, but then I thought it might. Oh, I I I, I, toy, I was. I was like, I toyed with the idea of like what Davin would like versus what would be a good design for someone who's actually, you know, an actual business. So those definitely don't align. No, no, unless you got some, got some Star Trek nerds out there. Sustainable landscapers aren't rich, I'll tell you, because I'm the only one, and I'm not. Well, rich. believe me, someday I'll have a big fancy mansion, and you can be my personal landscaper. You can live in the garden. Oh, thanks. You and your family. Sweet, I'd do it. Be a sweet, you wouldn't believe how you'd want to live in that garden house by the time I was done. Pretty, with pretty it. sweet. Well, no, I'm, I'm believing it's in the right hands. So we can do this podcast live, they're not in the same room at least from the garden house. From the be garden house. I'm like, imagine how good my gardening segment's going to be. That would be you could literally do a take it outside and show them in my fancy ass garden. So that's right, XQ. You need to go let everybody else know about this show. And uh, in the hundreds yeah. of thousands, we need more so that patrons. We get lots more patrons and lots more money so that I can buy a <laughs> fancy mansion and Davin can live in my garden house. Yeah. Um, oh, I could, a, create, I, could, I could think of another segment. Continue talking. Uh, yeah, so that's about it. Are we just talking about our lives or just about what's coming up with the show? Oh, this is, this is our catching up segment. I just renamed it. What do you think they're doing up there? Oh, um, I uh, have another play, <laughs> another play coming up with Hubtown in, in uh, October. Uh, they had a meeting tonight to uh, see if it was approved or not. They had read it last week or, or a couple weeks ago. They had the play proposal, and then some of the board members who hadn't read it uh, were a little worried about some of the subject matter and wanted to go back and read it and then talk to me about it. So I fully expected them not to do the play, um, and I'd have to pick another one. However, they totally surprised me today and agreed to do it, so... Very cool. Oh. I know. It's a Kurt Which one Bonnet. is it? Can you it, tell me? It's a Kurt it, Vonnegut play. Okay. Are you familiar with the work you of Kurt Vonnegut? About that. Yeah. I am, but vaguely. I haven't read it. You should read some of his books. I think you'd like them. They're deeply dark. I think I've, I've read one. Like, was it a... Slaughter's Five? No, I was about to. Um, there's a podcast, uh, LeVar Burton Reads, mm-hmm. and he does a short story. He reads a short story by him, and I was about uh, to one? pick that on today, actually, because I knew you liked Kurt Vonnegut. I'm like, oh, well, Kurt you should Vonnegut read, read his books. Seriously, LeVar read, Burton. Read, uh, at least read Slaughterhouse-Five and Breakfast of Champions, but read everything else, too. Okay. I've only read three of them so far, but they're all so good, and this play, so I guess four, technically. 
Um, but they're they're all so so good. And I'm just I, I felt like reading a horror book, so that's what I'm into right now. But uh, I'd like to go back and read more of this stuff soon. Well, that's well, I'm gonna do what's going my, on with me. I'm gonna go to what did I do with the stickers of Andre? Oh, that's what I call this segment. You didn't even tell me you got them, so you left me hanging. Yeah. Well, I did, I did, I got them. I hope um, one's on your vehicle. And uh, uh, ex goon Ryan got the stuff we sent him, he got the book and the stickers. So that's oh, right. beautiful. Everything, everything Hopefully arrived. You enjoy a small effigy of me in your home somewhere, Ryan. Several small effigies. Sure, he's burned at least two of them. Uh -huh. I mean, or do, do they melt? I'm not sure. I haven't gotten there They would there probably yet. melt. I mean, that's not in the what did I do with the stickers of Andre. I didn't burn mm -hmm. or melt. So can, are they visible in the room right now? Should we be able to figure out where they well, are? Well, one of them, well, hold on. One of them I sent to Jamil. Okay. That's awful sweet. Jamil's a, a, a wonderful human and an ex-coon. One second. I'll be right back. I do love me some Jamil. Jamil, I know you're listening. You're a great guy. Now, and the next one, you should maybe perhaps be honored somewhat. Ooh, Andre is on yeah. my guitar now. That's some, those Look are my favorite that. color tights, the purple ones. Yeah, mine too. Look at that. That is sweet. On that I like your Lacuna's Trek, Trek one too. Yeah, everybody that Lacuna's Trek oh, yeah. looks awesome too. Oh, yeah. And, and my, and my uh, multi-claps. What are those for, for claps? They're like for, for percussion, you know, like you can do them individually. I just end up smacking them all with my strum usually. To... You probably can't hear them because my mic lost out every sound. But Wow, I did hear yeah. some of the guitar. That's cool. I'm a very uh, aggressive kind of percussive acoustic guitar player, so they just kind of enhance that. I, I too, I, I use the softest pick known to man because I strum too loud if I don't, so... I use about a one millimeter just because I always... Mine have. is like the guy at the store called the tissue paper. So thin. Uh, the third, the third Andre sticker. Okay, I have yet to do anything with. How thin this paper this, this. Yeah, that's I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I like a I like a, a one millimeter turtle shell or a one millimeter brain. I just the strum's too loud. If I'm not even a one millimeter. This one's point seven three. This point seven three brain. I like that. Brain's got that nice like cat tongue nice. grip. Uh, there's cat tongue. These ones are cat tongue ones, but they're just like a super mm. thin gauge. But the last one, I'm leaving up to the ex-goons. Ex-goons, what should I do with this final Andre sticker? One is on my guitar. One. I think a tattoo is in order. I think, I think a tattoo is in order. Tattoo to your skin. It's not a tattoo, though. It's a sticker. I know. Take the design to a tattoo artist and have them translate oh. it to a tattoo on your skin. But then that still leaves the question, what to do with the sticker? Give it to the tattoo artist. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh give it to the tattoo artist. Okay, that answers um, my question. Well, I'm going to leave it to the ex-goons, not you. Hopefully, they right, don't well, like my, my vote. My vote is on the center of that Wolverine uh, mask on the wall, right in the yellow. If part. anything, I'll just get a copycat Spider-Man tattoo. That's true. <laughs> we can match. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be funny. If we get to the Spider podcast, we'll think about it. Oh, 100%. We got to. We got to. That's going to happen. Because right now, I'm, my body is pure. No my, body, my body's shut up. Yeah, I'm just saying. Well, you know, I gotta, we were gonna get. A, I was gonna get a hellfish tattoo if if KBBL made it to season three, but that didn't happen. So a guy I know got the gummy Venus de Milo uh, tattooed on his ass. Sweet, sweet can. Just sweet thinking of her can. can. 
Yeah, it was kind of started off as a joke, and then uh, he a bunch of people put money together, and and uh, he got that tattoo. So it was pretty funny. That's pretty sweet. I was looking forward to the Hellfish as my first tattoo, but now maybe Spider Man. Spider Man more apropos because I like Spider Man more than Simpsons any day. I'm really surprised you didn't go to your next Men one. It seems like that's way per alley. Well, I, it is, of course, but you know, I just haven't got any tattoos. So, well, I got one planned for July twentieth uh, for my next one. So. Oh shit! Well, is that when you're coming to the city next? No, I have a guy. There's a guy in Troy that does mine. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, we get he, a- did all, he did all of them. He did that guy. He did this guy. He did my whole chest piece. Hmm. He did my leg, my other leg. He's my go-to guy now. Right on. You're my go-to guy. Oh, that's where I got my sticker. That's right. All right. And well, we, we are here. The, believe it. Or, yeah, yeah. Move on to that. Ahead. There's one announcement that came out today. Did you hear about the casting of Superman and Lois Lane? No. It was announced today James Gunn uh, has cast his Superman for Superman Legacy and his Lois Lane. Is that somebody I've ever heard of? Uh, Lois Lane, perhaps. Do you know who Rachel Brosnan is? The show The Marvelous Ms. Maisel? She plays Ms. Maisel? Mm-hmm. I've heard of it, but no, I haven't seen it. She's, she's, uh, yeah, she's cast as Lois Lane. and uh, oh, well, yeah. yeah, which is actually She's hot great. stuff right now. People love that show. I love, I love that show. And she's a great actress, and I think would do really, really well in that role. Uh, and like physically fits the part really well too, you know, like dark hair. Yeah, yeah. She could um, look like a reporter. Oh, hundred percent. And uh, I just had it here, and I meant to pick it up. Uh, the name of the guy that's playing Superman. I recognize him. He's in a movie I liked, but um, he's not super well known commodity. This would probably be his first um, his first mainstream role. His name is David Cornsweat. He was most. You're making that up. No, no, the real guy, David Cornsweat. Is his name? He was. Your uh, name's David Corn Sweat. Corin Sweat, like C O R E N S W E T. Oh, okay, that's not quite as. I believe he's English. I'm not 100 sure, but uh, he most notably uh, there's a horror movie out called Pearl, that's a prequel to the movie X by Ty West, um, and he's in that. He plays the projectionist in that movie. It's a small role, but uh, he's quite good in it, and uh, I'm excited. He looks the part. He's got the square jaw. Is he buff? Uh, he's not huge. He's probably more. Yeah, it'd be like, buff uh, play Superman. Well, it probably will be by the time the movie comes they out. They didn't. They didn't hire me to play it, did they? No, because you <laughs> got to be buff you to in the play running? Superman. Anyway, there's well, still a ch- there's still know. a chance I could be cast as Lex Luthor, so I'm gonna have to. I assume I'm in the running for most things, but you know, just never quite get there. I feel like if I write a passion letter to James Gunn, I may get the role of Lex Luthor. Hopefully, hopefully soon. Man, I think you would play an awesome Lex Luthor. I would love to play Lex Luthor. Because, you know, you could match him on a physical level, too. Well, I'd, like have to, I'd have to get Jesse Eisenberg those... or whatever his name is. Like, you I'd could actually to... just fight Superman. I'd have to get one. I've always wanted a Luthor that's like, because to me, Put in the if, I, if, I were, if I were to get it, I'd have to get that, that Hollywood uh, fucking nutritionist and dude to come over and get me super shredded. But the uh, oh man, he'd turn you into a shredded machine in like three weeks. Be awesome. Uh, the. Yeah. Uh, the guy, um, the I always wanted. I always thought Vin Diesel would have been a good Luther, and uh, not so much anymore. But back in the day, because I, 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 the Luther from the Superman animated series was the best Luther, by far. He was jet, like to me, Luther should be. I did the voice of him, uh, Clancy Brown? Oh, well, just get Clancy Brown to do it. Shave well, Clancy. He's very Brown old. Ball. He's very he old play. now. But uh, who cares? The, uh, he was so good in that role. Like the voice, the character, like Luther to me should be the epitome of what humans can achieve. 
he should be like he's the smartest the richest the most uh like intelligent of all types athletic like shred it just like everything but like he's just jealous because no matter what he does iron man superman superman can do it and be better yeah evil iron man so uh you know jealousy is at the core of that character and i feel like they nobody's really played it that way yet i'd like to see that done so the 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 perfect depiction i've said a thousand times on other podcasts is uh ultimate suit no all-star superman that version of superman that version of luther the best when when like when superman says look luther i'm dying he says like i'm gonna be gone you said that you could solve cure cancer fix all the problems with humanity without me in the picture i won't be now go do all that and then luther just spits on the glass in front of his face and walks away it was like he's just so filled with hatred that like and, and jealousy that he can't even allow himself that victory it was so good it's so good go read that book also james gunn i know you're listening cast me as lex Luthor. oh james gunn's definitely listening god i wish i love i love everything he does It'd be a dream come true to be he's, a he's pretty great i gotta say he's pretty great i love guardians three Guardians two, Guardians one, Slither is one of the is an underrated. I love Slither. The movie, um, Slither is great. Slither's great. I mean, everything uh, Michael Rooker touches turns to gold. Oh, even Mallrats. Yeah, I love Mallrats. Mm. One of my favorite movies is. It's a fun movie. What about Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer? That doesn't seem like a movie that you would enjoy. I haven't seen that. One. Yeah, it's pretty dark. Mm. All right, we're going to talk about this. Is episode. that the one? Um, which is Tim Roth in that? No, it's mostly and it's mostly oh. just Michael Rooker and a guy who plays his brother. Okay, we're here to review season four, episode twenty of the X Men animated series Beyond Good and Evil, Part Three: The Axis of Time. So, where are you getting these um, these subheadings? Because they, say on, they they show them in the episode. They don't. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. It just says Beyond Good and Evil, Part Three. And on huh. and the and the site that I was looking at for uh let me see if yeah, here it is. Beyond Good and Evil Part Three, it's all it says. It doesn't say oh no, it does say the acts of time. You're right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because the uh, I didn't notice it in the last one, and then the site that I was looking at for some information, um, just to back up some of my points here, uh calls and it most sites. the Lazarus Chamber oh. is what it says it's called. Oh, is this one the Lazarus Chamber? No, the, well, the it, episode itself says the axis of time. That's what I was going to say. I just skimmed to the episode and it did say the axis. It must of be time. the next one. No, the next one I believe is called. According to this, is the called, internet has these four episodes scrambled through a blender. Like the next one says, "End and beginning" is what the next one is said to be called on this. I'm not sure what it is on the actual episode, but anyway, yeah, go ahead and tell play the called. play the last time. Well, before. well, look, we're written by written by Michael Edens, who's written by. Him and his brother wrote many episodes of this series. College buddies, I believe, with a friend of the show, Eric Lee Wall. Uh, and, of course, directed by Larry Houston. The Lairster. The Houston. Yeah, the, the Lair Houston. Yeah, the, the, any yeah, luck, any luck in procuring him for the show, Dev? I don't want to talk about it. No, so it's going well. Yeah, I'm guessing his restraining order is still in place. <laughs> Don't want to talk about that either. Okay. Previously on X Men. Uh, we got here. Who ended that one? Cable did. It's in there. And we're gonna borrow it. 
And we're going I just think that's so. Yeah, that's a hilarious. Especially, like, especially knowing how like jovial and fun Lawrence is to be like, just to hear that voice. Kind of, you know, this is so dark and serious. He's a fantastic actor, fantastic voice actor. So he really is. He can really do it. But it's just so funny when you know the man to like to hear the voice on top of things. He's just so like, we're gonna do it. He does sound very John Wayne to me. Wish I could. Ask oh yeah, he, everything Cable says in this episode uh, has me cracking up. Especially since knowing Lawrence, Uncle Cable, we can call him Uncle Cable, yeah, Uncle, uh, Uncle Lawrence, yeah. Uncle Lawrence, Uncle Larry. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So, take us away, Andre. Well, uh, we open up with Bishop still lost in the acts of time, being uh, pestered by that ridiculous nymph character, who um, we find fairly annoying. We both find fairly annoying. I know I sure do. Uh, what was that? A great being threatens time itself. <laughs> a great being threatens time itself. It is. This is a, well, no, I'll talk about it next episode. That's right. When Dave was on the show and uh, and talked about who do we have to blame for this character, and I said the genie, he, I think that's incredibly right. Like it does, does feel as though they're definitely channeling that particular character. Mm-hmm. Um, Around that time, jumping all over the place and just being ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> is trying to do sort of voices, sort of impressions, but aren't yeah. quite impressions. He's he's credited as yeah. Bender, which uh such an odd character, yeah. especially kind of apropos Bender. being at the trailer for the new season of Futurama came out today for Hulu. So uh that's, that's yeah, Futurama's yeah. still going. My god. Well, it ended in such a beautiful note, but they bring it back for another season because oh. money. Uh yeah, but money. Uh, yeah. I know there's a there's that a, really works. I find these come back. I'm hoping good things for Metalocalypse, you know, with my name being Skelocalypse and all. Hmm. Um, well, like, I, like, it, like, uh, like, I love the Boondocks, and when Boondocks came back for season three, it was not good. Clone High is back. Four, that show has been on the air since like 2003. Yeah, it's been like 20 years since Clone High's been on, and there's a new season. But now. we're looking forward to X Men coming back. You I'm sure I'm super positive for that. That's even Those longer. Those are exceptions. When did yeah, the show exactly. end? 98? But yeah, but we know the people now in like who are making this thing happen. Well, we know some of them. But I, I'm confident it's going to go to be, do well. Um, 25 years. No, uh, we got to get voted. There are people that were born when this show ended that now are 25-year-old human beings. Are they, though? Well, I would assume, yes, they'd have to be. Unless they're like not human beings, if that's what you're implying. Maybe it was. Maybe so it uh, Bishop is being pestered by Bender, who uh, shows him that there's the supreme being that's pestering with time, and that is uh, messing things up, indicating that it's apocalypse. He then shows Bishop what's going on with Tyler and Cable. Uh, Cable. Knowledge is power. Do you have the line? Do you have the line where he says it could be, it would be? Do you have that one? Uh, I think so. Yeah, play that one. Maybe. He says, um, is, is, is this what's going to happen, is what he says, and then... That's Cable! It will be. It would be. It can be. It could be. It may be. It should be. <laughs> can we be? <laughs> can we be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Kind of ridiculous. He does remind me of sort of a Pip Patrol a little bit, but in like a more, way more annoying role. Um, yeah, it's more surly and laid back. So, I mean, we can... Like any action scene in any series on a review podcast like ours, it's kind of hard to describe them 
in any real way besides just saying a bunch of fighting occurs. So um, yep. basically, uh, Cable and Tyler are ready to uh, to infiltrate the government agency and steal the time machine they have uh, thrown away there. Ready, Dad? Yeah, kid. Start the ball. Man, of, I can just see, see a lot Lawrence of sciencey noises. A lot of sciencey. Some noises. of these lines, because he gets love, to chew the dot, the scenery in this episode. What I love about comic series, comic comics, comic adaptations, anything like this. So you have Cable, who's this jack shredded guy with one metal arm, you know, military haircut, black thing around his eye, uh, glowing white eye. hair, but white you hair. Know, Probably Still shredded, doesn't look thirty old, really. or forty. Like, then <laughs> his son is standing there in front of him, Jack, like who has like the like the kiddish, like a super kiddish voice, but military <laughs> haircut, blonde hair, full shredded, like <laughs> totally shredded with like you know. He looks like arm. Bjorn Ironside from Vikings. He looks like, like a, he looks like a Dolph Lundgren. He looks like maybe a ten year, like ten years younger than Cable version of Cable with blonde hair. Wow. Yet somehow. So basically, Cable is the, there's a separate facility that that keeps this facility hidden, that the chosen are uh, are infiltrating, which are uh, the Cable's little band from the future. There, um, that team being made up of Don Silk, Garrison Kane, and Boak, 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 the robot. I know him. He's the yellow robot. Anyway, um, yeah, so that box. No, it's B-O-A-K. So it's spelled in this, unless it's a different version of this, that character. So they're infiltrating a separate facility to uh, to basically destroy it, which will allow the facility holding the time machine to... Anybody's uh, fading fast. He'll make it, though. Accessible to Cable. Yeah, sorry. It's been a long day, folks. But uh, basically, um, Cable's waiting for the shield to come down so he can sneak in. Um, but the Chosen are having difficulty running into opposition... Tyler is talking to them, but it's taking longer than expected. So Cable's still waiting, but then a robot surprises Tyler. I wish you'd let me go with you. But if I don't make it, I need you to carry on here. I know you'll make me proud. Can you tell me why a space gun that shoots laser beams needs to be cocked? Um, maybe that's just like charges the power what is it like still? a fucking nerf gun like <laughs> a water pistol like what it are we doing looks, here it looks cool kind of but it seems like it's unnecessary and you're shooting energy so, there's anyway. gonna be a reason <laughs> yeah because it looks cool is the reason uh whether it's yeah. a good one or not is is a different story but anyway the chosen guys are in there uh you know trying to get the shields down cable's trying to get rid of some of the robots while that's happening one of them manages to hit them he reached out to Tyler, who's also surprised by another robot up on the hill. Tyler gets into a bit of a fight with the robot. Uh, Cable turns back to go help his son, but then the Chosen managed to get the shield down, and he's left with a dilemma to whether go get into the time machine uh, complex or to go back and help his son. Tyler tells him to go on without him. He'll be fine. Cable says he'll come back and decides to go for the time machine. But hoping, Crazy. of course, if, Taylor, if Cable is successful in his mission, perhaps none of this will happen anyway. Exactly. So kind but, of a, I mean, they probably would have both been killed if he just stayed. But so, so perhaps. Tyler probably did get killed in that timeline. Could have. We don't see it, but it's very possible. Or he the, didn't seem like he's holding his own against the robot, so he may very well may have. Uh... True. It's funny because like, you see... you yearn to destroy my resting place at its inception, 
A wise strategy. But first, you have a service to perform. Slightly ahead of me, but good good placement. Deep, mostly good placement. Um, so Cable does get into the facility, does manage to dispatch some of the robots and get into the Gray Malkin, which is a, a machine, a time machine that uh, is like a ship. It's like a time ship, if you will. It's his ship. Pardon? It's his ship. I mean, he stole it, but it's his ship usually in comics. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. So uh, it kind of looks like a Metroid from, from he Metroid Prime. Uh, well, that was going to come as one of my X points later. So, uh, we'll right. talk about mine that too. Bit. We'll fight about that later. Well, I mean, mine just had one reference, but you probably know what it is too. So, anyway, he uh, so he manages to pilot it out and is trying to. It looks a lot like a. Did you ever notice it looks a lot like a, a Metroid from like Samus Aran, Metroid Prime? Mm. It looks a lot like a Metroid. It so anyway, he starts Metroid. going through time, but then we get there are things that look like things in this episode. Well, it's an X point of mine. We see a, that line you pose, Apocalypse knows he's going through time to stop the, the creation of his chamber. But he has, he has another point, um, another plan, Sir Cable. He's using him as a pawn here. So he, he disrupts his flow through time and sends him another direction, which ends Cable, winds up Cable landing out front, front of uh, Xavier's school for the gifted and interrupting a meeting between Cable. Uh, or he goes, is gifted? And he goes inside. Uh, interrupted a meeting between Wolverine, Storm, and Psych or, um, Charles for some reason. So he comes down. He go, he's not sure why he's sent there. Neither are they. There's a good little line there. I don't care home. about missing psychics and time jolts. I'm after apocalypse. That's true. Uh, to which you're Charles... boring me. <laughs> <laughs> I bore me too. Charles tells him that, you know, they have evidence that Sinister and all these people are working with Apocalypse. Apocalypse already has made his presence known so that their their end game may be one and the same. So perhaps they should work together. Wait, are you talking about this line? Suck rocks, pretty boy. No. Uh, <laughs> when Cable first arrives, he's like, what the hell am I doing here? And then, and then uh, uh, Charles pulls up and goes, I, I was thinking the exact same thing or something like that, which is pretty funny. So we see Shard and uh, then we cut to Shard and Beast who are trying to figure out what happened to Bishop. Um, Beast basically surmises in quite a ridiculous uh, way uh, with, with the projection funny. on the screen. Like he literally just, just guesses exactly what happened. He's like, well, someone's going through time and then somebody more powerful also goes through time. It could send that first person off kilter. And they have a little diagram of a dude like this, like <laughs> going through time, which sounds exactly the way Bishop looked when he was going through before. And then another guy yeah, going but... through, which is Apocalypse. And then it shows, uh, you know, his his course get uh, get turned off in a different way. So it's all theory. But All of course, my research know. pointed to periodic dormant times for Apocalypse, but I could never discover why or where. Warren's voice is pretty funny in this. Can never decide why or where. He seems Can to be I, just, yeah, a little higher, a little faster than usual. He's worked up. Yeah, a little bit. He's a little worked up. I do. I, I think it's sense. kind of interesting seeing sort of the old angel costume. Kind, not the old, old angel costume, but the older angel costume. The, not the oldest angel costume. Like the Defenders. But the Defenders angel costume when he's in yeah. the Archangel form with the blue skin and the metal wings i kind of like it actually interesting it's like it a weird combo of like the old and the new i think it's cool although i liked i like the purple and blue one from when he was actually the the horseman he's like um, he's like angry and threatening but he has a halo on his chest so he's still an angel you, out. you don't know 
You don't have. And I also think. like how they show his wings sort of just form like a little shoulder paddy looking thing when he's not using them. Yeah, it's amazing. It also how be pretty awkward getting around. It's amazing how buff every X Men is. Like sometimes you'll freeze the scene and just look how incredibly like swole like Cyclops is. Like he's he's like an Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime level of of like of uh, of musculature. To be fair, they do show them working out a lot. Like yeah, even lifting I mean, weights, like there'll, there'll be panels where the X Men are just lifting weights. They are heroes. I mean, that's what their their yeah. thing is. But anyway, uh, they got they have Sabretooth um, confined with chains and a muzzle. Uh, okay, hairball, let's talk. Cyclops and Angel uh, are trying to interrogate him. He won't talk to them. So then Wolverine tells them that they're needed elsewhere. Comes in, locks the door. Unshackles Sabretooth and says, Let's talk, basically saying that we're going to get crazy. information of him my way. Crazy. That's the craziest thing to do, even if you're Wolverine. Not, well, it seems to work out for him. You can tell they're, they knew, thought this series was ending. I was going to say, this seemed like the way to cap off the end of the Wolverine Sabretooth thing. Yeah. With the weapon they just have it out in a, in a, like a four by six room. Yep. So then we see uh, the, all the rest of the X Men and Wolverine, uh, Charles Xavier's in his uh, his we're going to war outfit, which is his green sort of fatigues. Um, but basically, uh, Cable informs them that he's discovered that you know Apocalypse may, stays alive as long as he has because he goes dormant every hundred years to like re-energize or recharge, and he has a chamber in a secret pyramid somewhere in Egypt. Well, find okay. someone who cares. I left my son back there so I could get out Apocalypse. And Cyclops like we all lost people because <laughs> he lost Gene, yeah. you know. Like it's so funny. Do they ever? Like Rocket Raccoon, we all got dead people. We're X Men. In this series, of course, as X Men, they all come back eventually. That's true. In this series, do we ever find out that they know their father and son? I assume it would have been in this storyline, but no. But they hint that they in the that it's clearly happened in the comics. Well, Jean Grey knew around. that. She said no. Yeah, that's true. No, that she was Corsair. That. No, no, that was Corsair. There was. Yeah. I feel like there's something that implied it before. I don't think but, they're going to come right out and say it in this series, but maybe in this next episode, I don't know. But they definitely make it clear in this one because the, there's a quote I have later. I might as well just play it now. Before we go in, I just wanted to say I'm sorry about your son. I know what it's like to lose someone you love. I haven't lost him yet. <laughs> they're having a little father-son moment there. I like that. So uh, Wolverine comes in with Sabretooth, throws him down, says that what they're saying is right. Everyone's working for Apocalypse at the center of time. Um, but we're not sure why. Uh, Xavier can't figure out why Magneto will be working for Apocalypse. But um, basically they read, uh, he goes into Sabretooth's mind to double check, you know, that that's where they're at is at the center of time. I have chosen not to invade the minds of others without their consent. If it's important, get it out of him. Or I will. Very well. Did I've chosen of... not to invade the minds of others, except with the slightest bit of peer pressure. I was going to say, didn't need much co- coercing, did he? It's like, well, you <laughs> no. should do it. Okay. Well, I'll do it then. Oh, never... oh, very well. I'll do it. I'll do it. I will never, <laughs> ever sleep with that woman. Well, now the still, <laughs> they still haven't come right out and said that either. But Cable she said she wants to sleep it. with you. I will sleep with that woman. <laughs> no, just, like he just mm. will not change it. It's uh, hilarious. Anyway, the Cable's so he, a serious telepath. He could do it if he wanted. That's true, but we never really see him in the series use any telepathic ability at all. No, or in the comics much in those early years because he uses all that power to contain the te- techno organic right. virus. But 
you know, when in a pinch, he can still do it. So the X-Men uh, go into the Grey Malkin and they go back in time to uh, where they believe was the creation of the the pyramid. Um, we have a fun little moment between Angel and uh, Storm. Talk There's no him. room on this mission for vengeance. I don't know. Revenge can sure help you focus. Can sure help it's you like focus. Kill Bill. It's just all revenge and focus. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of other things that play in those films, but yes, that's pretty accurate. So they all go into, uh, they get into, basically, as they're about to enter the, the pyramid. What was the Storm Archangel moment you were talking about? Uh, they're just, a Storm is coming and how her uh, her ancestors, her parents thought this place was beautiful. Like, oh, I have that. Yeah. You and I shall take Cyclops back and check headquarters. The rest of you, see if you can find some trace of the Nasty Boys. What the hell is that? Well, that That's not this at all. I don't think the Nasty Boys aren't even in this episode. No, that was odd. You just go. Oh, I see. I see. I see what I did there. What did you do? All right, I'm fixed. I'm fi- well, I picked a clip called Storm, when really it should be this clip I called Loved. Beautiful, is it not? My parents loved this land. And though my life was hard after they were gone, I loved it too. I loved yeah. it too. She lived in. Uh... Cairo, Egypt, a long time. Just like Apocalypse, they have that in common. Perhaps they should get together. <laughs> Talk about old times. They probably went to some of the same bars and stuff. Well, Storm was very young, but she was kind of a bit of a street rat or whatever, so she might have snuck into bars. Street At rat. least snuck into movies. Street I rat. I don't buy that. She was I a goddess even then. I don't buy that. Yeah. If only they would look closer. Um, so the X-Men are basically going to invade the, the pyramid. They are attacked by the, the this timeline's version of the uh, Four Horse from the Apocalypse. And uh, a big fight ensues. Wind, howl, and raise the sands of the desert! <laughs> that was to create a diversion so that nobody's even going in, but then quick soon after that, they're attacked by the horsemen. Uh, some of the X-Men yeah. stay back and fight the horsemen. Others go into the pyramid. Uh, Cable is pretty smug about knowing where all the booby traps are, even though Wolverine smells one. Uh, but Cable does fall into it and is rescued by the other X-Men, um, you know, implying that there's some changes between this timeline and mm-hmm. what Cable experiences. It's funny. Why would you not think that 3,000 years from now, he may have made a few changes around the whole pyramid? <laughs> he's like, ah, yeah, I, I know. When he says, 3,000 years maybe from now. Maybe he says it after. Yeah, you say before or after. Yeah, he, he said, "I know like, where all the movie control traps time. Are. You can go yourself whenever you want, like Apocalypse." He's like, yeah. "You control the fate of every uh, moment or whatever he says." Well, even during the, um, I guess earlier, I forgot to mention that Apocalypse talked to Mystique and said that he had a plan for her, or yeah. part, part of her plan was coming up because that's going to play into what's happening here. So, um, you know, that's why Wolverine smells two rats. The uh, some of the horsemen make it into the uh, into the pyramid and attack uh, the X Men that are in there. Uh, once the X Men outside realize that, they come rushing into to help, but it takes them a while to get there. During the fight, we see Cable lead one of them into a booby trap, which kind of takes them off the board, and the other ones manage to dispatch the other horsemen. But Cable does take a hit and uh, is hurt. And they say we have to leave him behind for a little bit um, until he's ready to get up and, and move. So the X Men go into the chamber and uh, see Apocalypse in his tomb, but then quickly learn because Wolverine's nose it is not Apocalypse. It is Mystique. 
who is uh, you know, using her powers to uh, take his form. And uh, boy, were we wrong on Mystique never being in the in the series again. She was so in this series. A lot of this. Wait, we were supposed to give. Who are we supposed to give a shout out about that? Oh, we did several Hold times up. because we knew he was. Did we? Yeah, because she was in the so, last. Was episode. the next goon Daniel? It was. It, she's in the last episode. And I think the episode before that. So, you definitely seen a lot of Mystique. So while uh, the X Men are distracted by this, they've obviously fallen into some kind of trap. You see Apocalypse hit some buttons, and there's a big flash of light in the room. Cable sees the flash, comes running in to see what happened, finds all the X-Men knocked out, and Xavier missing. Then we cut to the axis of time, where we see that Apocalypse has the last piece to his ultimate puzzle, Xavier, now uh, now confined in a tube alongside all the other psychics that he has captured. And thus, to be continued. All right, was it X-Goon Ryan? Uh, anyway, it was X-Goon Ryan, maybe? I don't know. There's an X-Goon. I'll figure it out. You'll get some your kind, shout out. Some kind of ask you. About Mystique coming back. Yep, yep. If you're listening now, let us know. But we know we totally gave him credit last episode. We choose in that one. And I think the episode before. Okay. Yeah, but All right. This isn't the, first. Are, the outs have been shout. The, out, the outs have been shouted. All right. It's okay then. I'll relax. If Apocalypse is indeed the personification of evil... It may be impossible to destroy him. Why? The conflict between good and evil is part of the fabric of existence. He was just so hilariously angry this entire episode. He just keeps yelling shit like, I don't care. I'm bored. Shut up. I'm not going with you. Fine, then I'll do it. He's just like, he's just like so pissed. It's pretty funny. (laughs) And of course, the most important move of all, the capture of the king. Professor Charles Xavier. The capturing in his chess match has been captured. It's true. The yes. King of the telepaths. <laughs> they even paid the other telepaths even paid tax to him. <laughs> How do you think he got that made? You know, you know it wasn't a tax, it was a tad. Yeah. Oh yeah, tad. right. They do pay the tad. They call it the telepath tad, the teletad. Telepath tad. He calls the uh, the 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 other telepaths teletaddies. Time. Ridiculous. Anyway, end of episode. But is it the end of the tad? Jesus Christ. Moving on. Each of us will have to look into his own heart and decide. Hi Parker three nine three nine zero. It's a very specific number. I have a cat named Parker. Yeah, you go ahead, Henri. Seven. Listen to your heart. Oh, wow. Seven. Okay. Nothing particularly uh, great. Yeah. Not particularly bad. The fighting was fine. I like all the cable stuff. I mean, it could be an eight. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with an eight. I'm going, Actually, eight. I'm going with an eight. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep it on brand and stick with the eight. Because there is some fun action yeah. stuff, some fun cable stuff, some good one-liners from Wolverine. Good. Apocalypse yeah. stuff was fun. You know, it's all. it does feel a bit like a filler episode to get to the last episode, you know, like we need, we need to get Xavier with them. And the, this is a whole episode of just getting Xavier captured. Thanks Parker. You're cool too, buddy. Yeah, man. Um, lady. Yeah, it's true. Or person or non-binary person. beauty, whatever you identify as. Exactly. Um, exactly. So yeah, I mean, it, uh, but it was good. It was solid for what it was. Um, the Bender character is pretty annoying. And we, we're, not, we're not getting nearly enough Bishop. He's hardly at all in the series. But, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, 
I mean, there's it's, like it's, there is the. It's funny. There's it just the seems like, like we're doing the time travel. So we need Bishop. We'll just shoehorn him in and have him wandering around in the acts of time, not really contributing. And anything. it's cameo fest, so they have to that have Bishop. For not that so reason. much in this one. No, no, no. That's why cameo, cameo fest is. was last week. That's true. Like, yeah. No, that's in the next episode. I was going to say there's more cameos to come, but that's next episode. Uncanny X points. All right. I'll go first. All right. So, my first X point. It's funny that, well, it's interesting that it's such a cable heavy story. And this is the story they chose to end the, what they thought they were ending the series with. And they decided to go with a big cable story. I think that goes to show what, like, how popular they thought he was with fans. Well, he was time. such a big point at that point in the 90s. He was such a. Such Even a on the show. Like yeah, but I mean, I remember right around this time is when they put out the X Force comics, right? And then they were like, oh, "That's oh, such yeah. a big deal." So, man, shoulder pads everywhere. That's right. It's, uh, th thigh pouches and shoulder pads everywhere. <laughs> yeah. All right. My point is the, my point is the Gray Malkin, which I'm sure you can add on to. Um, the I time might. machine cable steals shares its name with the street on which Xavier's school can be found. 1407 Grimalkin Lane is the uh, the address. So, yes, that indeed. Because Cable has some reverence for the X Men, uh, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, it is because he also the compute the computer artificial intelligence on Gray Malkin, he named Professor after Professor Xavier. Why not Cyclops after Dear Old Dad? So that's why he'll like sometimes he'll like ask for a time slide and or a body slide and he'll just be like Professor Body Slide. He's talking to the computer. That's true. All right, your point. Um, well, yes, I'll, I can elaborate on Gray Malkin a little bit. Gray Malkin is an archaic term for cat. Gray being the color of cats oftentimes. And Malkin, which meant like weak or like little woman or something like that. Like something kind of sexist, I think. But, you know, sexism in cats has gone hand in hand a long time because you're just hanging out with a cat could get you called a witch and and burned at the stake at certain times and uh they called like if they were accusing you of witchcraft they would call your cat you know you're familiar they would call it your gray malkin it sounds a little more evil that way you know so yeah there you yeah, have it second point my second point will be this little exchange i thought was interesting so cable says uh he's pure evil and that's why he's got to go and B says, if Apocalypse is indeed the personification, personification of evil, it may be impossible to destroy him. And Cable says, why? And he says, the conflict between good and evil is part of the fabric of existence. If Apocalypse is destroyed, evil may only take another form. And Cable says, I've got time funny. to worry about, Call me an about optimist. that. Call me an optimist, but I don't believe that. You don't? No. <laughs> I think we can all be better in like, and could actually just like I don't think there has to be this counterpoint. I mean, there often, so often is in politics and everything. There's always this like cat counterpoint, even if it seems unnatural. It's like, how can you counterpoint that? What are you doing? Like, but I don't know, man. I don't. I think that's just a construct and not a, an inevitability. 
it's funny because this conversation just just pinged in my head because I had some things I was gonna do for my comic and my movie later, but I know two better choices based on this episode. So um yeah, I think it's interesting that they're you know, especially Beast, who's like you know, very analytical and scientific to be waxing poetic about the nature of evil and good and the balances because that implies the the existence of you know good like gods and devils in the Marvel universe, we know they exist because Thor. Hercules, the one above all, the living tribunal, Mephisto, Zarathos, any of those, you know, demon characters, uh, Kithon mm-hmm. or Chithon, uh, any mm-hmm. of those guys. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, pardon? Sitarak. Oh, yes, there's another one. Uh, Nystar or Nastari, I can't remember them all. But there's Nastir. Nastir, that's it. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's just kind of interesting to me that, uh, you know, Beast would go into the, the concept of that. I was waiting for him to drop a, a a name, just a name drop. Yeah, one of those. Excellent guys. Lord Alfred Tennyson. <laughs> yes, he didn't in this one, which is funny. No, he was just talking for a long time in, on that in that scene. He was just like that when he was talking about the evil and everything. I was just waiting for it. <laughs> just wrap it up with something a little poetic at the end and be like Tennyson. <laughs> Tennyson. I'll be like, what are you talking about? He did that before. We just said Tennyson. <laughs> so ridiculous. God, I hope he still does that in the new series. Just quoting people. Uh, he, he, he has to. It's so good. Awesome. Your point? Oh, is it back to me, is it? Okay, what did I say? One? Third one. Second one. Yeah, second one. So, well, how about they mention Lazarus. The Lazarus Pit. Or the Lazarus uh, Chamber, they call it in this, do they? They certainly wouldn't call it the Lazarus Pit, because that belongs to another villain in a whole other universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind. But yeah, his Lazarus Chamber. But, you know, of course, that's referencing Lazarus of Bethany, who was raised from the dead, which is in the Bible and all that. Also you in what, you know, may get me killed for being on this show, but probably the greatest superhero cartoon ever, the Batman animated series. Um, the uh, the Lazarus Pit used by Ra- you may Ra- take your leave now. Razal Ghoul. I said good day. Who was voiced by the magnificent <laughs> David Warner? Um, in that movie. Oh yeah, David Warner's great. Um, oh man, I got cling on. Sure does. Um, and I just he's an even better Cardassian. He's a fantastic actor in general, but uh, yeah, he uh, he's just in a movie that I watched that'll probably be my recommendation actually. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, this super cool. The Lazarus Pit reference is fun. Um, all right. My next point. Well, I had something here. Was it? Oh yeah. A little bit of humor in this episode. Like I'm surprised you didn't have this clip, but when Gray Malkin's flying through space, they pass by Bishop without seeing him. And he's like, and he goes, Hey, watch it. Billions of miles of space, and people still can't drive. Which I think is- oh, I did, but you were just, you were chugging along. Oh, your, go ahead uh- and play it. Your recap. Play it. Hey, watch it. Billions of miles of space and people still can't drive. <laughs> it was like, I hear you, Bishop. Like, I never yeah. speed, really. So everyone else speeding around me. Agitated and shit. I, I definitely speed. But, only, um, but only 10 above the speed limit, as is, as is what we've all agreed upon as a society. I haven't agreed. We Most of the majority of us have agreed that 10 above the speed limit is okay. Just Most limits your reaction time if something goes wrong. It's great. Been in very few accidents in my life. 
Now, there you go. It's not about you. It's about the, I worry about the children and the it's cats like, and the raccoons. Please think about the, the, the children. And the porcupines and the birds. I worry about all those two, but I've hit very few or very little of those, actually, because I often swerve and put myself in drastic danger than actually hit the animals. Yeah, I was in a car where we ran over a rabbit the very second it turned Easter. Ah, brutal. Yeah, very strange. I felt bad. We were young, probably speeding, you see. I've hated it ever since. Yeah. Your, mic, your mic's breaking up a little bit there. Is it really? Oh, yeah, no. it's crackling. No, it's still crackling. Really? Wait, you oh, might be right shit, now. Huh? Ah, you're good now. All right. Oh. Okay. Well, I don't know what I did there. Maybe it was me banging it with my phone here. Um, okay, here's my next one. So I, I mentioned earlier in the show that things look like things. Like you mentioned uh, uh, Metroid. Yes. And... Uh, Apocalypse's pyramid is very reminiscent of Castle Grayskull from He-Man. Oh, you think so? Like, if you go look at it, yeah, I do. I mean, it doesn't have the two pillars, and it's not colored green, but it has the big face, and otherwise is this, like, stone castle. Uh, yeah, I was just like, I was wondering if Larry Houston worked on uh, He-Man. He might have. I think he did, actually. I'm going to look that up while you do your next point. Uh, my next point will be Bender, the character, um, who's this ridiculous comedic foil that's leading Bishop around. <laughs> Those who may remember the series uh, may know uh, a secret about this particular character and who this particular character. Uh, yeah, Harry Houston did many. Uh, sorry, did many uh, He-Man mini comics. Oh yes, the the ones that were the the ones that came with the toys. Those are great. Mm. Um, yeah, so the character that Bender is. Uh, is actually, which will be revealed next episode. And I won't reveal that yes. for now. Um, seems very off-brand to me that this would be the, the guys he would choose to use to hide his true... It's almost what I said earlier. Um, and incredibly, incredibly ridiculous to the point that like, if it was like a hologram or some kind of construct, but if it actually was that character saying and doing these things, it seems really off-brand. Cool that they would put him in this, but also if you're not... If you didn't know who he was you like in the comics say like a kid watching the show it would mean nothing to you that that he secretly was this character it's only really just there for the comic fans which is pretty cool and i don't think comes up again so we'll try to talk about that more next time but i just find that the depiction of the alter ego of this character very very weird very very weird yeah it is very odd i was thinking the very same thing like he's really acting like that huh okay yeah. okay well, I mean, it's all smokescreen, but it's more yeah. than it is. Well, it, it is, and it's a very effective one. Like, well, it's it, more that, than it needs like, to be. He could have just been any kind of character. He couldn't even be himself, because why would Bishop? He's be bored. Anyway? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, uh -huh. like that kind of makes some sense. You're boring me. <laughs> so, again, my last X point. Uh, I already mentioned it earlier, but I'm just bringing it back. Ex-goons, what do I do with the last Andre sticker? I love that you're not hiding the fact you couldn't come up with five exploits. <laughs> yeah. I could have, but I didn't. I don't think I you was, could. It was a busy parenting day. Yeah. Um, Everybody okay? 
Oh, yeah. Just, uh, you know, we took her out and did stuff, and then I came home and I'm like, ah, I still have prep to do. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. You know, all good. Happy baby. Happy Excellent. baby, happy life, as is they it, say. New baby's too soon, is it not? Oh, yes, August. Ooh, late August or early? Mid. Well, if you can, if you can, you can tell her to hold out until the twenty fourth. The baby will have the same birthday as me, so it's a fair possibility. Man, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be something? You guys have joint birthday parties. No, we get our own birthday. I'm joining birthday parties. No baby. Oh, my own cake, my own presents. <laughs> you wouldn't share your cake with in presents with a baby. Well, you babies can't eat cake. It's not good for them. They don't have teeth. It's true. My baby doesn't like cake. He's like, hey, you want some cake? She's like, no cake. Really? Yeah. yeah. She's not super big on sweet things. She likes berries. Hmm. She was just she was killing the strawberries today. Yeah, that's well. Strawberries and, and, sweet and, the, and the has caps out of my garden. Oh, you know, they're very sour. But, uh, All right, my final X point is X goons. Tell me, sound off in the comments or on Facebook or whatever. What do we do with this last Andre sticker? Very, very handsome in these blue blue tidies. Yeah. They're delightful blue tidies. So my final point is Stephen Omet, O-U-I-M-E-T-T-E, o -U -I -M -E -T -T -E, who does the voice of Archangel. Mm -hmm. uh, it's credited on this as being the voice of Bender as well. So that, that voice actor does both those roles. Which I think it's kind of interesting. Right. They're two very different roles. Yeah, I wouldn't have put that together. Like, if anything, I'd be like, is Morph doing the voice? I mean, of it, it Bender, may be, but... that may be incorrect, but this is what I'm looking at, so. I believe it. Like, why bring in a, multiple guys? Like, Lawrence told us, like, when they brought him in, he'd end up doing, like, background ones and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. But um, one and, and another side note to add on to that, because the actor that uh, does the voice of Angel and Bender is uh, in a ton of things, of course, all the, the standard. Yeah, I've heard that name. Of course, all the standard. Uh, he was on Beetlejuice. Uh, was he the voice of Beetlejuice? Was he Beetlejuice? On the Beetlejuice cartoon? That makes, that, that makes sense, because that Bender sounds kind of like Beetlejuice. Well, he was Pompadour in the Babar uh, movie, in the Babar TV series, which mm. uh, is definitely something that resonated with me. He was Beetlejuice, yeah. He's the voice of Beetlejuice in the oh Beetlejuice my, uh, cartoon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Archangel is Beetlejuice. My whole world just changed. Well, that makes sense with the Bender, uh, the Bender stuff. It's like when I found out uh, very, very uh, soon guest of the show. Christopher Britton was married to a Klingon. Some things just blow your mind. They sure do. Yeah, I used to love that cartoon. Shop to you freak at the spooky boutique. Anyone who loved yeah, that man, shop cartoon, to you freak at the spooky boutique. That's right. Fantastic. Well, that's it. That's you just remember the. I always remember the episode with the skeletons in the closet. You oh, that was that a great episode. Super that was my favorite one. I'm gonna go back and. Yeah, it was. You know what I'm rewatching now, just for novelty uh, sake? The only uh, way to get rid of skeletons in your closet is to tell the truth. Beetlejuice is like, we're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, I'm it, not doing that. It, it did a really good job of taking of taking the character and just tooling it just a little bit to be mischievous, but also a good character instead of like the the absolute yeah. terrible character he was in the movie. So, um, but the show the show was really fun uh, and very good. Yeah. One time at a convention, a woman walked by my table who was dressed as Lydia from the cartoon uh, with the, the spider red, the red spider thing. And, uh, oh, man, I was super, super. I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. I was super uh, entertained by that. So. 
Jubilee and Lydia and the big comfy couch. She was a right. huge part of many childhoods. Yes, yes. Many, many, cool. many young man's first loves, I'd imagine. <laughs> yes, uh, my, my, was, my one of my first crushes was definitely on Lydia. Uh, we'll probably, we'll probably <laughs> land me up there too somewhere. Uh, yeah, but like Lawrence told us, Canada makes the best voice actors. Sure does. Shows another testament to that. Great voice acting on that show. <laughs> and they had the, like the French skeleton. He was funny. Oh yeah, Bonaparte. Was his name Bonaparte? Yeah, Bonaparte. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, was, was a great funny. show. Great cartoon. Yeah. Three seasons, I think. Three or four seasons. Had a good run. Yeah, my probably like twenty episodes. That one to the baby. That'd be a good one to watch that, that's on a, what streamers that would be on. It wasn't a Disney show, was it? Even Fox. So they own it. Who else would mm. it be? Who wasn't one of those two? Uh, well, at the time period, there's a lot of things going on, but I, I don't know. Nickelodeon, but it wasn't that. Definitely no, wasn't Nickelodeon. That. It was a Saban show, so it was probably wherever they were sending Power Rangers in this. It was probably Fox. That would make sense, but I feel like it was made in Canada. But I guess that, that still makes it sense. Was, it was, but so was, yeah. so was this. Right, so was this. <laughs> uh, well, Beetlejuice isn't on Disney+, Plus, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we'll find it somewhere. Shop to you freak it. Spooky, Spooky boutique. He likes it. Sure. That's the thing that the mom used to always say. Yeah, he <laughs> likes it. He likes yeah. it. Oh, man. That was from the movie. Some rush of nostalgia. Yeah. Oh, man. Beetlejuice is like my favorite movie. Hey, check this out. Hey, check this out. Comic rep- reminiscences and recommendations. Well, I went with just a kind of an X Factor story that had a lot of these characters in it. You know, there's a little bit of a apocalypse. There's a a lot of Archangel. There's like Cyclops. There's Jean Grey, uh, Iceman. Even though he's not, even some Sabretooth. So we've got X Factor number forty-three to fifty. Even though I don't have fifty, so I actually don't have the end of the story. I thought I had fifty. I don't know. Some, 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 a lot of my comics have disappeared over the years. But Judgment War. So uh, a celestial shows up, also very kind of uh, zeitgeist Marvel at the time after the Eternals movie, and you know that uh, it happened recently in comics. He judged everybody that uh, Erisham, the celestial, Erisham, Erisham, the judge. But, you know, lots happens in this Judgment War. So it's interesting. They end up going to this planet where. There's, uh, what are they called? The Perfects or something like that. It's like a bunch, all the pretty mutants and they all could pass for humans. And then there's all like the Morlocks. So it's basically just a whole planet of the whole Morlocks, regular mutants thing. (laughs) Because like they're all downtrodden and there's a big war between them and all this, uh, the Perfects and the the ugly Morlocks, whatever they call them. They don't call them that. The Rejects or something. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a battle pit and Archangel has to fight in the pit. And he has to end up fighting his buddy Bobby Drake in the pit, who doesn't remember uh, Archangel. You know, his beast. Beast is doing some stuff. So the thing about this planet is they think these perfects think Jean Grey is the most perfect. Like, like she's the perfect human specimen, they think. Like, the perfect mutant specimen. They, they're like, she's gorgeous. She's perfect. Like, she's amazing. So, like, they, they, they take her 
That beast looking all scary. <laughs> oh, and then there's like this side story. Like this one just interrupted and it's called like Judgment War Interlude. And it's just, it fills in what Angel was doing between the time he left um, after the fall of the mutants until he comes back to X Factor. So, oh, there's Gene. See? Perfect. Perfect specimen, they say. <laughs> so, yeah, Checo, it's weird. It's all about, you know, just image and all that stuff. And, you know, that whole having to look a, a certain way to fill in thing. So, check it out, Judgment War. That, uh, that theme, unfortunately, never goes away with its relevance. And as soon as they get back after the Judgment War, first thing they have to do is Angel has to fight Sabretooth. Two issues of those two scrapping it out. Well, that'd be cool. That's an interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting fight. And then the issue after that is the issue where Cyclops pops the question to Jean. Jean Grey, will you marry me? They did that in X Factor. Yeah, well, that was like, that was the Cyclops Jean Grey original team book for years. Hmm. I mean, it had like seventy five issues under that that team before it switched to Havoc's team. I think on it in issue seventy five or something like that. Interesting. Yeah, it's a good book. Louise Simonson wrote a lot of that story I just talked about, Judgment War, and a lot of the early X Factor. You gotta love Wheezy Simonson. Interesting. Um, all right. Well, mine actually, I was gonna do because I just I'm reading uh, Black Hammer right now by Jeff Lemire, um, which is a fantastic series. But I'm actually diverted from that to because we were talking about the existence of good and evil and the balance and all that stuff, and it made me think of the best X-Men writer ever, Grant Morrison's, uh, timeless DC comic. You, you mean Chris Claremont? Yeah, I, I liked what he did, but Morrison definitely perfected. I'm kidding. They're, they're all great. But um, Morrison did a, a standalone Justice League story for DC called Justice League. Uh, um, uh, oh, my God. I'm blanking on it. What's the name of it? Earth 2? It was a Justice League Earth 2, it was called? In which... Uh, the Justice League are faced with uh, in, in this continuity in the regular uh, after I guess it's the post when they're first uh, where they're faced with the inju- or with the, their version of the evil versions of them from a parallel world where so in in our universe or rather the DC universe proper the Justice League live in a world where good always triumphs over evil but on Earth two uh, it's the other way around evil always triumphs and the crime syndicate of America is who rules the world made up of Owlman who's a dark Batman. Ultraman is a dark version of Superman. Yada yada yada. You can you can guess where it goes from there. So the Justice League are um, are approached by the Lex Luthor of that world, who is the only hero in the entire world, who struggles every day uh, against the fabric of reality to try to have good win. And uh, and he comes to the Justice League of our world asking for their help. And uh, and when the Justice League get involved and try to help, they realize that the structure of that reality. Uh, makes it impossible for good to ever win and it makes that version of luther an incredibly tragic character and uh, the idea of that um just really resonated with me at the time and it is a really well-made comic i'd suggest you check it out there's a balance to things and upsetting that balance no matter what side of it is there are consequences and uh Oh, and yeah. uh, there's a part where like the, the the justice league are talking and they say a dark mirror has been held up to us to realize like where we could go or how dark this could get if uh, we're not kept in check. And um, it's, it's a very poignant story about for that time period uh, in the nineties with those, those uh, comics, but also for the characters themselves and what 
the, the kind of shift in culture where dark heroes sort of were becoming the fun, were becoming the popular, uh, the popular ones. Yeah, oh, very cool. Yeah, that was. Have you ever read that one? I highly suggest it to be honest. No, I have not. I don't read a lot of DC. You know that about me. Yeah, but it's a standalone graphic novel. It's not a very big one. Um, it's by Grant Morrison. It's drawn by Frank Quitely, who I know you don't like, but the art's really nice. Morrison Quitely's not going to get me on board. Um, But just read it, man. It's worth it. It's good. It's very good. You'll like it, I think. You don't like the movie? Change the channel! (laughs) You can always change the channel. Is your remote taking us tonight to David Warner, you said? It actually is. So at first, when we were talking about the nature of good and evil, I thought about the John Carpenter film, Prince of Darkness, in which uh, it, it it posits the idea that if there is a god, there must be an anti-god, and that there is uh, it's almost a, a quantum mechanics sort of view of horror or the nature of good and evil in our reality, in which a group of people find what they believe to be the embodiment of evil uh, bottled up in a basement of a church. Uh, fantastic movie. Uh, anything by John Carpenter is great. Some are way better than others. Obviously, the thing is probably paramount. But Prince of Darkness. Wait, is... wait a minute! Didn't John Carpenter do Ghost of Mars? I said some are better than others, Devin. He also did John Carpenter's. You said they were all great. I I don't think that one. It, I haven't actually watched that one yet. However, I did. You watch... haven't? Oh man! When I was a kid, I liked it. I rented it from the Needs I'm Convenience sure, you know, Store. Well, the thing once. is. That movie's that movie's the subject of, of studio involvement because it was supposed to be a third escape movie. Yeah, it would have been Escape from Earth, and it would have been uh, Snake escaping from the planet. I would have been all over that. But then they they were because the Escape from L.A. didn't do so well. They uh, they scrapped. Yeah, it. I loved Escape from L.A. It's not as good as New York, that's for sure. Um, and it's not a fantastic movie, but it's a fun movie no. in its own right and well worth watching. But they live the thing. Uh, Prince of Darkness, The Mouth of Madness. Things the best movie ever. One of them. I agree. It's up there. It's uh, uh, Halloween, of course. Um, like so many good ones. So uh, give all those a shot. And then the other thing I mentioned was today I received this in the mail, which is the Arrow video box set, which is Arrow puts out uh, the boutique labels. But what they're doing in this set is trying to recreate the fun of going to the video store, like in the 80s and 90s, and picking random movies that just appeal to you. So because of that, they have a selection of movies from that time period and put them in this box set. So there's Robot Jocks, Arena, um, what's that one? Cellar Dweller, uh, Dolls, and Dungeon Master. They're just getting rid of their like stock of horrible, unsellable movies and getting suckers no, like you they, to they, re- them. they redid all these with like new covers and all this, these box sets. Okay. Like, they actually remastered them all. It's not just them getting rid of old stock. So it's kind of a neat throwback to a bygone era of going to the video store and picking whatever random thing looked interesting on the shelf. So they kind of trying to bring that back with these box sets which are pretty cool this is the first one so but the movie i'm going to suggest i got the criterion channel last week and uh i because i always wanted it but i only had a playstation to watch any streaming stuff and it doesn't get criterion so i broke down i got a roku and i uh i got the criterion channel to give it a try um because i love movies a lot of higher movies which are on that um and one movie that i've never seen but is often comes up as one that's a, a childhood classic that people like and one that applies to this movie and stars David Niven is Terry Gilliam classic Time Bandits, which I thoroughly oh, enjoyed. Bandits. Have you seen Time Bandits? Man, when I was a kid, but I couldn't tell you what happened. Give it a rewatch. Then. It's actually I was because I was gonna bring it onto the podcast. I was hoping it was gonna make it on to hold up, but it didn't. 
Oh, what? Uh, you totally should. Um, it's a fantastic I, movie. Yeah. And a great a great example of like an era of kids' movies that's kind of gone when like uh, that maybe ends in a mean-spirited way or has some kind of some darkness at its center. Like a lot of kids' movies don't have that anymore. And Time Bandits has it in spades. One of my favorite and, and even just little philosophical moments that like bleed into it that you wouldn't expect in a kid's movie. One of my favorite ones is like near near the end of the film. I don't want to ruin anything for anybody, but there might be a spoiler or two in here. Um, there's a supreme being who essentially is God that's chasing the time band. It's trying to get back. It's the map that it's created with all the holes in, in time. Um, and when 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 the, they finally catch up with them and then the, the, the supreme being reveals this is all part of his plan to test evil. He's created evil. And, who was played by David Niven, and he was testing if evil, like how evil would work. And the kid says to him, like the, the central figure in the story, the kid says, "Why would all, why would all these people have to die? Because all these people died along the way. Why would you kill all these people just to test, one, just to test evil?" And then uh, God says, "Well, that's a dumb question." He says, "That's like asking me why I'd create evil in the first place." And the kid goes, <laughs> "Well, why would you create evil in the first place?" And then God goes, "Um." <laughs> something about free will i think and then he just kind of did he just sort of like he he's like ah something about free will, i think and then he just sort of moves That's on a very terry gilliam life. I know, and i and i love it because it's just like it, it it like he does such a great job of pointing out the ridiculousness of the things like religion and god and all these things we believe and why we believe them and 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 they that if you put them under any kind of scrutiny they don't normally hold up but he does it in such a, a beautifully fun whimsical way that it just sort of like it's just it's just a passing moment but it's just so beautiful. And like you don't get that in kids' movies anymore. And uh, the movie itself is great. Kenny Baker's in it, um, as one of the as one of the, the time bandits. The bandits are all played by little people who are who are all great. Um, it's it's a super fun movie. And uh it obviously has to deal with uh, falling through holes in time and, and time being out of whack. So I thought like it kind of applied to what we were uh, what we're doing here. I have a quick TV recommendation. Ooh, if you're fans of Letter Kenny, check out Shorzy. I think it's actually better than Letterkenny. Isn't that the spinoff of the hockey players? Yes. And I didn't, so I thought it would just be like, oh, they're just going to keep it going and it won't be as good. But in some ways, I think it's better. I think it's better. (laughs) It certainly makes me want to watch it like one episode to the next a lot more than Letterkenny ever did. But uh, yeah, it's a good show. Check it out. And give your balls a tuck. Why um, <laughs> not? Eh? But here's our real uh, next segment. Perhaps you'd better take over from here. I will take over from here, Cyclops. Thank you. So, all right, Andre. And the Excuse, I recommend you check out a great band, you know, from the 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 the, uh, the funk. You're, you're talking about some funk here, you know. I like the funk. Uh, it's a, a brothers duo, the Brothers Johnson. Wow, that's yeah, a healthy cover. We got we got right on time, and we got look out for number one. Now, Andre, when's the last time have you been able to get your hands on some Brothers Johnson? No. You never told me to. And I, I didn't even heard of them until this very moment. So I will definitely look them up. 
I do like funk music uh, very much, though. One of my favorite so albums. Is... You, so you're saying you've never gotten close to some Brothers Johnson? Are you trying to make a joke about the term Johnson as replying to a penis? Because when you put brothers in front of it, it kind of it kind of negates it a little bit. If you say get a hold of your Johnson or you know like play with your Johnson or play play, then I would get that. But I can't believe you've never felt the power of the brothers Johnson. Well, I felt I felt some Johnsons in my time, mostly my own, <laughs> <laughs> mostly wrestling. Um. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, check it out. The Brothers Johnson. I throw these LPs on all the time. Their biggest hit was Strawberry Letter 23. You may have heard that song before. Strawberry Letter 23. So yeah, one of my cool. favorite uh, funk albums I have is called is by Brian Bennett. Have you heard of this one? It's called Voyager. Mm-hmm, all right, so. check, check it out. It was a record store day release a little while ago, but it's like it's called Disco Space Funk is what it's described of, and it's great. Oh. I, think, I think you'll like it. Sick bass though, the sweet like kind of like, kind of like disco funk sort of is that area era. Check it out, the Brothers Johnston. Feel the Brothers Johnston. Cool. All right. I'll check so, it out. Moving on. Moving out. Uh, what do we want to do? Do we want to play a game of some sort? Some sort of thing. I don't know. Let's, uh, yeah, why not? Here's what we can do. Because this one has a lot of that in it. And our live remakes, as we call it here. So let's pick some characters from this particular episode and cast them into the MCU in a live remake situation. Okay. So that's the characters that choose some. Okay. Uh, Andre, you cast Bender. Fred Armisen. <laughs> that's a good. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good pick. All right. The second you yeah. said this, it rolled in my head. I'm like, who's he going to shoot at me? It's definitely going to be Bender. I can't pick Robin Williams, obviously. I got to pick someone who's like that. I mean, there are a lot of high energy comedians that probably work that, but I feel like Fred Armisen would be a, a fun pick. Yeah, he, I find him annoying, so that's perfect. I like annoying. him in, in the right roles. He's I like him too. He's just in a lot of his roles and a lot of the things he does. I think he's trying to be annoying, and it works. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, um, that's a good one. All right, who should I cast from this episode? Oh, who, sorry. I on you. Me. I'm sorry. Oh. My brain just started. My brain just rolled out of my head. I hope you all enjoyed that moment of silence. Uh, that That's was right. for uh, Andre's attention span. That we was holding it. a memorial right, who would service. You cast? Who would, okay, well, we already. Do we count Deadpool as like the MCU? The Deadpool movies? Yes, yeah, though they're about to be. Because, like, then we have a cable already, Josh Brolin. Exactly. Well,. It, no, well, no, it hasn't been said that he's only. We only know Ryan Reynolds is crossing over. Yeah. Well, yeah. Who would you cast as Cable then? Lawrence Bain. <laughs> who would you really cast as Cable? Bain, Bain, I, I'm sure Bain. I like would Lawrence go, Bain as Cable. Honestly, I like the voice got, a lot for sure, but he doesn't really fit the the physical profile. Doesn't he though? <laughs> I'm fine. Uh, doesn't well, he? doesn't he? Well, you know, 
You see, who was campaigning for it a lot too when they, they were talking about it was Stephen Lang. I was going to say he was, but I think he's getting a bit long in the tooth as well. Yeah, I think so too. Jeez, that's tough. Lawrence Still- Spain. I think, and I—I I mean, if you want him to play an old soldier from the future, uh, I think Stallone would have been our right choice too. But uh, I think Josh Brolin was serviceable. I, I liked him in their role. Yeah, he was fine as Cable. But uh, yeah, he, it's got to be someone that's like old but not too old, you know. It is you tough. Know, I don't. You know, know what? You know, it would be cool if he were to get shredded. Uh, Nick Offerman as Cable. Yeah, he'd be great. He's got that voice, that deep voice. He's got that piercing stare, those blue eyes. I think he'd be all right. It's interesting. <laughs> I mean, he might be told now, but he was great in The Last of Us. He was, yeah. Probably the best episode yeah. of that show. That show was fantastic, though. It was a good show. It kind of, I don't, by the end of it, I was just like, all right, let's get oh, on. Oh, man, that last episode was harrowingly good, I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good show. Pedro Pascal's the main. All right, pick someone that's not Cable, because I'm coming up blank, because I kind of think I would pick Josh Brolin. Yeah, he's a good choice. I'm trying to think of people who aren't too old, but sort of have that gray hair. All right, Gambit. Who would you guess is Gambit? He's briefly in this episode. Gambit. Gambit. Channing Tatum. (laughs) Who almost was him. Who would play Gambit? It is a tough one. Maybe if we could hire like a French Canadian. And no, you should probably hire like a, someone from Louisiana, I guess, right? You want that? I don't know how I don't know how deep I don't know how deep that representation is needed, so well, you know. French Canadian then maybe. Or perhaps a, an Acadian like yourself, Andre. Oh, perhaps. I know who perhaps I Robert Maillet. I know I know who I would cast if you need help. I do need help. Did you ever watch Lost? Yeah. No? Did you watch yeah. The Vampire Diaries? Yeah. Ian Sommerhalder, who was in both of those series, he was in Lost. You're making before. that up again, too. That's like corn sweater. No, real dude. He uh, And he's from Louisiana. Okay, perfect. I, see, I, he, back in the day, I always wanted Harry Connick Jr. to play Gambit. Well, he's from Louisiana, Louisiana as well, actually. Yeah, but he's but, too uh, long in the two. There's now. quite a few actors that like are from Louisiana that would probably fit the bill. Like Harry Connick Jr. is a bit too old. Son Patrick Flannery is a bit too old. Jared Leto, I don't want to see his gambit. But uh, um, James Landry Herbert is kind of interesting. Uh, he might be all right. Um, there's there's some uh, Mark Duplass, but he's a bit old too and not quite quite wrong. Tyler Perry's from Louisiana. But uh, yeah, I think Ian's like he does actually look like Gambit. Um, he might be. Yeah, you pick him then. Yeah, I don't know a lot of young actors. That's my problem. Zachary Levy, Shazam, is from Louisiana as well. But Zach Chuck, Levy, eh? Yeah, I don't know if he'd be great Gambit. He might be. He could probably pull up the no. accent. He's tall and he's handsome. He's got. And you give him the long yeah, hair. He could probably pull it off. You know, I'd give him the shot. He's not the right kind of handsome. He's goofy. Check out this guy, Ian. Just look up Ian S O M E R H A L D E R. Ian, what now? Summer, what now? Summer holder. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. We're, I'm looking him up. We're looking this up. This. He's 44. Oh, so yeah. 44. 
Yeah. That's pretty old. But he still pretty looks like he looks like he's in his thirties. In a one off, yeah, for sure. But yeah, see it's hard. I don't know anyone young enough to play any of these people for twenty years. That's my problem. Well, yeah. he was on the Vampire Diaries for like I don't know, ten seasons or something. How long it was on? One hundred seventy-eight seasons, one hundred seventy-one episodes. So uh, that was a long series. Plus, Lost for like two. Gives seasons. me who I'd get to play Apocalypse. Who would you get to play Apocalypse? Andre oh, Dead Fair. Who? Oh, Dead Fair. The guy that played Curse in uh, um, Thor Two. Oh, Dead Fair played Curse. What's his name? He's the guy from The Mummy. He was the long-haired, handsome guy. Oh, that guy. He's on Star Trek. Yeah. He's on Discovery. He's the dude. The... Yeah, exactly. He's Admiral no, Banks. Why him? Because I think he should be an older actor. He's who's Egyptian from or that looks part Egyptian. of the world. Is he? Or is yeah, he just exactly. one of those actors that's dark skin? He's like Iranian, isn't he? Whatever. I don't know any Egyptian <laughs> actors off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> He's from a desert country. It's the same thing. I don't uh, think friggin' Oscar Isaac's from Egypt. He played Apocalypse and Moon Knight. <laughs> yeah, um, fair enough. Actually, he's like a. Would um, it fair, man? He's a good actor. He played a lot better Hispanic, than friggin' Oscar Isaac. I'm pretty sure he's Hispanic. Like his family's from Port. It's uh, I can't remember what country. It's not one of the obvious ones. It's only Mexico, but. Uh, Anyway, no, yeah, that's not a bad choice. Oscar Isaac is a great actor, and he probably wouldn't have been good Apocalypse. It just wasn't a good movie. He's Israeli. Oh, okay. Not at all. Oh, the guy from uh, The Mummy was Israeli. Yeah. Yeah, Oscar Isaac's from Guatemala. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's, you know. Oh, dead bear. That's my pick. Yeah, that's not a bad pick. I don't know if I'd pick him, though. Who'd you pick, then? <laughs> Actually, I... You know, it's like one of those things where you think about time, like where in time would you pick this actor from? And uh, do you know Brian? He was play. He played Shao Kahn in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. He's on X Files. He played like uh, he's like oh a yeah, hey, yeah. That guy, Brian something is hey. his name. Yeah, Brian Johnson. Is that his name? Yeah, he was in uh, a lot of Star Trek roles. He was buddy. Right, he played aliens in Star Trek a lot. So Johnston. Johnson or Johnston, one or the other, yeah. Uh, well, that's actually the name of the Liver King guy. That's funny. Um, same dude. Hmm. We just same yeah. dude. Yeah, Shao Kahn. That guy, like, he's got that. Uh, like, he was jacked. He had the big jawline. He looked like a big tough guy. Yeah. Um, he would have been cool. So he played good aliens on Star Trek. Good scary. Aliens. Yeah, and he and he wasn't a bad actor either. Brian Thompson. No, he wasn't. Oh, Thompson. Thompson. Yeah, something like that. But he's uh, yeah. he's probably he's probably up there now. Oh man, is he ever based on this photo I'm looking at? Oh yeah, he's probably like seventy now, man. Sixty three. Yeah. He's in a lot of movies. Yeah, he should be a cool villain or something. Lionheart, hired to kill uh, Cobra, the Stallone classic. Mm -hmm. He's great. He was great in the X Files. He was like an alien bounty hunter or something. He'd show up every once in a while. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I didn't do too good on the live remix tonight, but I like that's my right. Oded Fair pick. Yeah, that, that's I'm pretty a happy with that pick. one. I think it's a yeah. fantastic pick. I agree. <laughs> Thanks. I needed that, I guess. Um, all right. Well, Professor, 
Am I professor? All I need now is for you to contact your students, professor. Contact them. Contact, acknowledge. Acknowledge. <laughs> All right. So Whoa, too soon. Too soon. The Halifax explosion was too soon? Yes. Nobody in this podcast who isn't from Nova Scotia would understand that reference. I can practically spit on the anchor from here. There's 700, there's 700 people aboard that train. I have to stop it. Uh, it's Bowman. We named a ferry after him. Great hero. That's true. You know what's funny about the Halifax explosion? Here's a side side sidetrack. Actually, you know what? We're going to do homework. We're going to do a little like homework with Professor Davin. Well, your homework is to watch uh, Beyond Good and Evil Part 4, End and Beginning. Which I believe wholeheartedly, and I know that that Lee Wells mentioned this too, to be what they thought to be the last episode of the series. Yeah, this whole four part or smacks of them thinking this was the end of the show for sure. They didn't have to answer questions like, Why is Bender uh, the character he turns out to be? Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but uh, all right, now it's time for homework with Professor Dab. Knowledge is power because knowledge is power. So, sure is during the Halifax explosion, um, some of the sailors from the ship knew. What was going to happen? That the explosion. I mean, that's who. That's how Vince Coleman found out. Some of the sailors were freaking out and running through the streets, but no one was believing them. So they come across this. This one sailor comes across this woman holding her baby, and he wants to save the baby. But of course, the woman doesn't listen to him. He's like, "We got to get out of here," and she doesn't listen. So he takes the baby. This is with dishpan Annie. He what? Is this about the famous woman that survived the of explosion? Is that her name, Dishpan Annie? Well, well, if this is the same story, there's like a story about a woman, a baby that was blown into like a dishpan or something and survived because of that. But I'm not sure it's the same story. No, ahead. this isn't it. Okay. This is, so the sailor takes the baby and starts running away with the baby. So essentially kidnaps the baby and the mother chases after him. And, and it worked. The mother and the baby survived because... He they ran away far enough because he was so I don't know it's it's just funny that it's not impossible that stealing a baby and running through the streets is a wrong decision. Usually, that's not a good decision. Stealing somebody's baby and running away through the streets, but there is a possibility that's the right thing to do in a situation. I will add on to that just because I I entered this to the conversation. I might as well finish it. Ash Pan Annie was the name given to this lady. Uh, she was born in 1916 and died in 2010. Uh, her name was Anne Welsh, and she was uh, one of the few Halifax explosion survivors. When she was 23 months old, her brother Edwin and her mother Anne were killed in the blast, which leveled most of Barrington Street structure. She was blown under the kitchen stove where the still warm ashes in the ash pan kept her alive until she was rescued by a soldier. Uh, Sergeant Davies and his dog, along with a neighbor, Mr. Hennenberry, who was looking for his own family who lived nearby. Uh, her father, a soldier who was overseas at the time, so uh, he was still alive. She was uh, discovered by her grandmother and aunt. She worked in laundry. At yeah, that's age. the thing. It happened in winter, so a lot of people just froze to death. That's true. But she lived most of her life in the Hydrostone District in Halifax and died there in uh, 2010. She would have been almost 100 years old, 90, 94 years old. No, that's a good run. 1916 to 2016 would have been 100, so she would have been, yeah, 94. 
But, you know, on that somber note. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes kidnapping a baby is okay. Exactly. Support the show at patreon.com slash X-Men Review Show so Andre can buy me that um, greenhouse to live in. I'll buy it for you. You're living in my greenhouse. Yeah, but I won't charge you. I won't charge you rent. Buying your greenhouse. Yeah, well, exactly. I won't charge you rent. You'll be. Uh, it'll be part of your fee. You can contact us at xmenreviewshow at gmail Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and the Twitches. Find our audio only version wherever you get your podcast, and please like, review, and subscribe. We'd love to hear your reviews or what you got to say about our show. Give us those sweet, like sweet reviews. Are you listening to it because you don't like it? Because that's on you. Uh, a proud, we are also a proud member of these United Federations of Podcasts, aren't we, Andre? It's a sure. noble federation. We, quite noble. Quite noble. That noble logo. We get some stickers on the way for that. And of course, we have Hold Up a Movie Podcast. This week's episode has been pushed back a week because Das Boot is three weeks long on its own. And we will be reviewing boat movies. You guys are doing Das Boot? Yep, Kevin, our guest picked Das Boot. Well, you better be watching the six-hour cut. That's all I'm saying. I am not. I am watching the three-hour and 40-minute cut, and that's plenty. You are not watching enough Das Boot, my friend. I'll have to settle with as much Das Boot as I can handle. I think you should. My appetite for Das Boot isn't as big as yours. I'm not as big as you you are. Then you, sir, do not love Das Boot. Well, I'm 40 minutes in, and so far I'm not loving Das Boot, but we'll see. 40 minutes in. It's a long time. Just not enjoy the movie. (laughs) Well, that's nothing in a three-hour and 40-minute movie. That's the thing. In a regular movie, that's like the first five minutes. I'm just finding out who the people in the movie are. Yeah, and I don't care about any of them so far, but we'll see. And there's also the Super Mater Brothers, where we do many things. They review reality shows, but we also do the Mary Mater Marvel Society over there, where we just reviewed Across the Spider-Verse, and we'll review Secret Invasion once it's done. I've watched the first episode of that so far. So, you know, it's getting a lot of slag. I think it's fine so far. It's going to be a slow burn story. It's Secret Invasion. Um, yeah, I haven't watched that yet. I gotta, I gotta catch up on that. It's fine. I thought the last twenty minutes of the first episode was quite good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's also trivial debates. Next one is on. I can't remember. I think they have a pride one coming up. I don't know if that's the next one. I think they're nice. doing a pride pride debates. And uh, what's going on over there? Oh, hold on. Actually, hold on. Um, next episode of the uh, the Graphic Histories podcast comes out on Monday. Um, it is with um, Indigenous creator Tara Odibear, who uh, does um, uh, animated shorts. She has a feature length movie she's working on now coming out soon. Also, a bunch of kids' like movie, yeah. uh, animated movie, which sounds amazing. Um, a bunch of kids' books. Uh, a lot of really cool projects. She's an animator and a comic artist, former teacher, um, great contributor to uh, to uh, Indigenous culture and creating shows that uh, speak to Indigenous members of the community. So super cool. Very great interview. Uh, she's a graphic designer by trade, too, so we had a lot to talk about. And uh, just a very cool person. And, uh, yeah, I was very happy to chat with her. We had a 
great conversation, and you can tune into that on Monday. And also trying just to get more people that aren't not that I try to like tailor what I have to whatever, but I obviously want to have more female voices on the show, and it's hard to track down any uh, comic creators that are uh, female, or even just like you know ethnically diverse too, um, just to get on the show. So I'm, I'm trying, and uh, hopefully when I get into that all the time on my shows too, it's it's a struggle. It's a constant struggle. Well, I'm just I want to be more inclusive and, and represent all, all walks of life, but it's only who you can get, right? Sometimes, so there was a bunch of dudes that wanted to talk shit. Yeah, <laughs> which is fine, I guess. But it's like you know, I'd like to have as many voices uh, represented as possible. So working on it, but yeah, this one went really well. It was great. It was, she was super cool, and uh, we had a great conversation. So very good, very good. There's also aiming on track. I think I'm on the next one. It was going to be Sata Masagana I was bringing to the show by the Abyssinians, but I've been feeling funky lately, so I changed that to Marcus Miller. We're going to listen to some Marcus Miller. So if you like bass, it gets no better than Marcus Miller. And it's also the Hellbound Podcast. Michael J. and Alex Blackburn. Are they on a hiatus? I haven't seen a new episode show up my feed in a while. Very well could be. Very right. well could be. I haven't seen any show up either. Um, live long podcast we have if you like Star Trek we do all kinds of things over there we have beautiful logos we have great intelligent shows like Locutors of Trek we launch probes and dig into the deep issues and the deep conversations and have fun and we do silly skits all kinds of things then there's a whole science division which is basically just spin off shows from Locutors of Trek's early season so there's lots going on there I just like the word probe I mean, it just it always makes me laugh. Yeah. Class L Probe, it's a great show. Yeah. You launch all kinds of probes. You gotta want to hear the Class L. Want to hear the Class L Probe intro? Why not? Sure. Of course you do. Let's launch a probe into it. We should destroy the probe. The phasers are armed and ready. Sometimes the probes get destroyed, but. Mm. It happens. But we also the have the, yeah, the pro the probes happen. Three probes per show. It's a lot of probes. So <laughs> you bet it is a lot of probes. There's also Star Trek Radio Theater we do, which we're gonna do. If, I don't know when yet, but we're gonna do a little version of that over here on this show. Uh, we're gonna do a little X Men Radio Theater. We just I'm just trying to figure out which. I think we'll do it on a comic book. Yeah. Uh, we had some ideas, but now I'm thinking it should be something more modern than our earlier ideas of stories because it'll be less wordy and it's just more new. Newer comics are more akin to like being they're more conversational on the page. They're better for acting out, I think. Hmm. Less inner monologuing and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking maybe even a Jason Aaron's Amazing X Men. I love that story, but something like that. But, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll do a little X-Men radio theater. That'll be fun. And, of course, there's a command division where they review all the Star Trek stuff. We're doing the Strange New Worlds reviews right now. And the other uh, newer shows when they come out, they're newer seasons. And uh, Deep Space Nine reviews, they're doing Enterprise reviews right now. I believe the next one's on Wednesday instead of their usual Monday. So check that out. Enterprise at 8. Hmm. I think that's it. Take your time. I'll be gone in a minute. Hey, well, <laughs> I guess we should get out of here. I guess so. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And uh, thanks, Devin, for being Devin. And, oh, uh, that's just wonderful. 
to you too, buddy. Thanks for uh, thanks designing for me a business. Yeah, thanks for being Davin today and designing me that business sign. I appreciate oh, so, that. Someday, someday the rent will come due, my friend. It's gonna. Ugh, I know. It's I'm gonna. <laughs> it's gonna look great on my truck. Ah, uh, you! I didn't even know you had a truck. You're a truck guy. For you to be driving like a Tesla or an electric car of some kind. What do you think? I'm landscaping in a Tesla. Well, I don't know. I mean, it seems you think like I'm electric. dumping gravel and loading slate and dumping soil and mulch onto my Tesla? Well, you could do it in your Cybertruck. That comes out soon. What is that? The new the Tesla Cybertruck. Check it out. It looks like it's from an '80s video game. It's. A, I think it's the oh. coolest looking thing ever. Just Google Cybertruck and then what do you think? Elon Musk is weird. Yeah, of course he is. <laughs> but so is anybody that does any kind of scientific innovation. I'm not saying I agree with him. I kind of think he's just a more of a carnival barker than an actual contributor. Mm. He just takes credit yeah, for the things too. that other people do. But uh, yeah, check it out. Kind of like you. No, I'm just kidding. Kind of like me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, we're all, all right, carnival barkers. Yeah, let's get out of here. All right, buddy. Uh, catch catch you next time, everybody. Next time? Oh, we'll, uh, yeah, I'll see you soon. We'll hook up and uh, exchange things. Give me them signs. Hopefully, yeah, I yeah. should be able to get them by the end of the week. So if I'm, I'm planning to go and do a movie day in the city on the weekend. So Very fun. Very fun. We can have dinner. We maybe need to talk to. about that in front of the desk. Sure. Yeah. I haven't seen dinner. you. I, I've actually never seen you in person since the show started. So uh, you should it's probably rectify yeah. that. I mean, make sure you're not just a hologram or. So I'm going to AI program this guy run amok. We'll, we'll videotape it for the ex <laughs> All right. All right. Real All right. Catch you later. Catch you next time. Feels so good. Why not? <laughs> I'm just wasting my time here. <laughs>